I've had the craziest damn year. I mean, I'll never get over this 2020. How do you mentally prepare yourself to go to work with Brandon Walker? You know, they care more about Ole Miss losing than they do actually winning. Favorite kind of hole in the walls as far as food. I mean, now they got like 40 good restaurants in Oxford. I'm just wondering, whenever you get to New York, do you even try the barbecue there? I'll tell you what gets me is, uh, man, I love the smoked salmon lox bagels. I'm a little Caesar stan. My advice on going to Tunica. How many shows would you say you've seen? But it's going to get so wild on this panic tour with this barstool stuff. Yeah, I'm curious. Why did you choose Ole Miss? I think that this is one of the luckiest and best times to be an Ole Miss fan ever. Jeff, any quick thoughts on the gray pants? Yeah, the gray pants suck. I mean, I, I never I never like to be too, too negative, but I, I am a little concerned about this one. Indiana's got a hell of a defense. I I'm kind of worried about the passing game, I think. If the Outback Bowl called you and asked you to be the Bloomin' Onion mascot, would you do it? Big Cat, you know, sent me a text after it, just like, how surreal is this? You beat Eli Manning in a popularity contest. <laughs> Howdy. Welcome to the Bait Shack Podcast, presented by hashtag Come to the Shack. Your home for freshwater fishing tips, grumblings from the grove, big game banner, and all the chum you can feed on regarding University of Ole Miss athletics. We're coming to you from the Landshark Lounge on Lake Sardis, so grab a cold one, sit back, and reel in the Bait Shack cast. episode 17 of the bait shack tonight we have a special guest joining us a guy who is one of the hottest names in sports media across the nation and he hails from our own backyard most recently he absolutely dominated the Ole Miss twitter tournament put on by our own randy morgan at rebel nut 18 by defeating some of our friends at lfg shirts at Ole Miss picks and taking down the heavyweights such as at bunky perkins and at eli manning we're talking about none other than the champion himself ben mince but before we get to this after dinner mince let's serve up what's on the menu for tonight Mincy's been on a few of the other Ole Miss podcasts of late, including the Oxford Exxon podcast, Podcast Rebellion, Talk of Champions, and the Rebel Report, to name a few. He's given the breakdown of how he got to Barstool Sports by being noticed by Dave Portnoy after a reaction video of him went viral after our Kentucky victory, and we highly recommend giving those podcasts a listen, too, as it's now been a few months, and we want to catch up on how things have been going since the move to New York. So we'll be catching up with Ben on his happenings, previewing what to expect in the Outback Bowl, and closing out with our own bowl pick to close out the year. But before we do all this, let's pause for podcast identification for our new listeners. If you're listening to the Bait Shack podcast, available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, be sure to subscribe and rate us five stars by searching for The Bait Shack. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at TheBaitShack underscore. And overall, you can find everything at www.TheBaitShackOxford.com. Tonight's episode is brought to you by at Ole Miss Unis, a Twitter and Instagram page brought to you by at RebelNet18. That documents the history of Ole Miss athletic aesthetics and uniforms put together by, again, our own Randy Morgan. Now, without further ado, we welcome our current social media superstar, the one, the only, the at Barstool Mincy, Mr. Ben Mintz. I appreciate that intro. Uh, thank you all for having me on the Bay Check. And uh, it's great to be here, excited about the Outback Bowl and looking forward to a new year here in 2021. Awesome. So, yeah, let's get into it. You've been in New York. You're now back in the South for the holidays. How's everything been going? Uh, you know, how are you feeling closing out 2020? What are you looking forward to the most in 2021? I'm kind of been using this end of the year as a little bit of a period of reflection because I've had the craziest damn year. I mean, I'll never get over this 2020. I, I lived in four cities during a worldwide pandemic. 
Uh, I was in Shreveport the first three months doing sports radio, and then I got let go, and I was playing. I was just playing online poker in Oxford, uh, like it was summer 2006 during for three months from April to June, and then I got hired by ESPN Baton Rouge in July and had a great time down there for a few months, and then uh, Barstool happened in October, and so it's just been it's just crazy. I don't even believe. Uh, half the stuff that's happened to me this year, but I'm very grateful. And uh, I think the New York thing, it's been an adjustment, but I don't really know what New York is like yet because COVID has really shut New York down. I mean, I kind of, I live in Hell's Kitchen right now, about a mile from our Manhattan office. And I mean, I spend 10 or 11, I try to spend 10 or 11 hours a day at that Barstow office. You know, it's really all about getting to know all of our coworkers, and you just never know what you're going to get asked to be a part of on a day-to-day basis. I'm on the Sirius Channel 85 uh, from 11 to noon Central every day on Pick Central. I do after-dinner minutes videos every night that are kind of taken off. But, I mean, I might be on podcasts or trivia or playing stool streams. I'm playing ping pong next week. I mean, you just literally never know what's going to happen uh, at Barstool Sports. You work in an open-air kind of – table environment, I guess, where everybody, the whole, all the talent works together. And so you're constantly collaborating. And uh, Dave Portnoy's office is like four yards behind me. So he walks by me like 50 times a day. Uh, he's one of those people, man, you know his presence when you walk in the room. He just oozes. He, he just, whatever that it thing is, he's got it. But uh, it's an honor to work for him. I'm telling you, I know a lot of people have a lot of opinions on him. But, man, he's got a heart of gold. You know, I'm really enjoying what's going on right now with the Barstool Fund. Uh, raising $9 million for small business so far. And, you know, I'm looking forward to 2021, especially once we hit March and April with good weather and we get out of the cold and, you know, people start getting the vaccine to really kind of learn what living in New York is truly like. Yeah, you did mention uh, Dave Portnoy has a presence about himself, but I think you were actually quoted on the Rebel Report mentioning that he said about you that you have a presence about you, and that's what he noticed the most. Yeah, that that, that happened on the – so th- the first day I was at Barstool – they have a thing called The Rundown, which is a YouTube show every day that's like 20, 30 minutes long, but it's a, it's a big barstool thing. And it was a Monday, and Dave and Big Cat called Brandon Walker up to do it, and Dave obviously had this planned in his head, and he goes, no, you go sit down. We're going with the other Mississippi guy instead. And he puts me on the spot. Literally, he puts me on the rundown with 10 seconds preparation because he's just testing me, seeing what he's got. And uh, I thought I just got up there and crushed it. And I got to say, a lot of my training goes back to, uh, I feel like my time at ESPN Baton Rouge really helped me a ton. Uh, it's one of the top regional radio stations in the South. And just my time there, my time with sports radio, I know that it's crazy with Barstool being such a national platform, but I, I really hadn't been nervous yet. I, I think I've, I've done a lot of sports radio and a lot of media background, and it's, uh, it's translated well. I also want to be transparent. I wasn't a big stoolie. Like, I followed Dave and the pizza reviews, but I feel like if I had, like, known how big Barstool Sports really was and built it up in my head, you know, maybe the transition wouldn't have gone this this smoothly. Yeah, and speaking of that, one of the guys that's not able to be with us tonight, Cody, uh, did have a question uh, because you kind of brought him up, is how do you mentally prepare yourself to go to work with Brandon Walker? Well, I think it's a a fun combo because I'm just a big, positive, high-energy guy, and he's the exact opposite. And so... You know, he, he, he is that bitter, embattled Mississippi State fan to a T that we've dealt with our whole lives, that, you know, they care more about Ole Miss losing than they do actually winning. And their, their whole lives, the identity complex they have, like we saw it on National Signing Day on Twitter. They just lose their minds on everything that's Ole Miss-related. 
and he's just like that. And so it's it's great to work with him because it's just such an easy thing to go against because he just gives me so many so so much material. But he's you know he, he's definitely uh he, he's a character. He's I think we've been getting along. It's going as well as it could, but we go really hard against each other with the egg bowl stuff and. You know, it's uh, he's a pretty easy target, I gotta say. And outside of the Mississippi State stuff, would you say is he a nice guy? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, he's he, he is. I mean, he but he is negative. The thing about him, his personality, you see, I mean, he is a negative guy toward Ole Miss. That's not an act. I mean, he just you can tell that all that's real. But he he's been cool to me as far as just being nice, having me on unnecessary roughness, and he was the one who host Pick Central has me on, and he sees the value with. You know, me being an SEC guy, him being an SEC guy, you know, maybe us growing together as we expand the SEC football Barstool brand. So, you know, I got to say overall, uh, nothing's off limits when it comes to Ole Miss and State stuff. We go at each other's throats on that. But we, we get along for the most part other than that, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. And um, going back real quick, because uh, you did kind of bring up, and I think it's something that you did mention that you might be looking forward to be doing here coming up in 2021, mentioned it on the Red Cup Rebellion podcast. Uh, that you might be doing a po'boy review down in Louisiana, similar to the Dave Portnoy pizza reviews. Is there still some traction? Yeah, so that's certainly an idea of mine. The stoolies, what I'm, I'm kind of learning this whole thing as I go, and I'm just really throwing a lot of crap at the wall when it comes to content, just seeing what sticks. And man, these stoolies like food as much as I do. And uh, everything I've been doing as far as Southern food, I, I've been doing some Texas barbecue stuff, and the Louisiana and Cajun food and Mississippi Southern food, the stoolies love. And so, you know, whatever I get a good reaction to do, I'm going to give the people what they want. So I'm going, I'm looking forward to doing some Louisiana po' boy reviews. And I'm starting to think there might be some barbecue stuff coming down the line too, maybe with Memphis and Texas and the Carolinas uh, and KC, because it's kind of my big thing with Barstool. I'm trying to do what hadn't been done there so far. You know, they've had a lot of the Northeast guys that have covered a lot of the same stuff. I'm trying to bring a different lane with a lot of New Orleans content, especially because I lived down there five years, uh, you know, bringing Mardi Gras and Jazz Fest and the food, music, and NOLA, but then also just really kind of bringing more Southern culture, more SEC, and also uh, doing a lot of gambling content. And so I think it's a really good fit because the stuff I'm doing, they haven't necessarily done as much so far. And, and like you mentioned, too, it would be nice if you and Brandon Walker came together and put Ole Miss and, you know, even – you know, the little brother down in Starkville up on a pedestal and kind of brought up, brought us up to the top of the SEC, similar to kind of, you know, how the Alabama-Auburn kind of rivalry always cream of the crop. Well, one thing that was fun was the stream. I was laughing so hard because we did that big Egg Bowl stream, and I was like, I love working at Barstool Sports, but the Egg Bowl means more than the Iron Bowl. You know, we had a huge live stream. We got like 40,000 views uh, of us watching the Egg Bowl together. You know, that was during Bama smashing Auburn, and uh, I thought I just thought that was great because I remember, you know, I, we all remember the, the huge Egg Bowl, the year the Egg Bowl got the billing over Auburn-Bama. I guess that was five or six years ago, but that's certainly uh, not something we're used to. But I, I, I will say this about Brandon. He knows SEC football and college football. I mean, they're, you know, a lot of these northern guys up there may not quite know as much as we do about the south. I mean, obviously, because they're not from the SEC, but uh, his, his knowledge is very good, and I, I've been impressed by that. Yeah. And now kind of going back, you know, talking about food, how, you know, you're a big foodie. The South is known for delicious cuisines and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm going to go down to Kyle because uh, Kyle had a question, I think, and it might be more Oxford focused versus the South. But Kyle, okay. got a food question? Yeah, well, um, I know I heard you on um, Oxford Exxon with Neil and you mentioned a lot that you uh, worked at City Grocery or you worked at Proud Larry's. You have City Grocery friends. So um, those are a lot of the places that I love to frequent. I have a lot of friends that worked at uh, Proud Larry's and, 
Ajax and all that. And so I was just kind of wondering, you know, what are your favorite kind of hole in the walls as far as food um, and drink go in Oxford? Okay, man, I'll tell you one thing. You know, I, I started at Oxford in fall '01, and it's crazy what the food scene has become. You know, back then, you know, you had City Grocery and you had Downtown Grill and you had a few. I mean, now you have like 40 good restaurants in Oxford. I mean, the food scene for the size of the town is just phenomenal. Uh, I really like St. Leo a lot. I go sitting there at brunch a lot on Sunday. Uh, City Grocery, you mentioned it. I'm really close with Locke Phillips, the GM of City Grocery, and Cooney, John Spir- uh, who, who's the bar manager. And uh, my closest friend's Elliot Willard, who's the number two bar manager up there. So I'm up there all the time. Uh, always been a big fan. Uh, they got a new chef in there right now, by the way, that's crushing it at City. If you haven't been in there in the last few months, I've noticed uh, it's really getting back to top top level. Uh, always like Ajax. I'm a big Handy Andy guy. I had a post the other day when I was back in Oxford. You know, it reminded me of like diving through my couch cushions for change with Elliot. You know, we used to scrounge together our money to pay the six or seven bucks uh, to eat at Handy Andy back in the day. I uh, love love the ravine. I think they do a phenomenal job. You know, sometimes they kind of get lost in the shuffle just because the location's a little different. But I've always been really impressed uh, by what they do. But just overall, man, there's just so uh, much variety. I like the Jinsei Wednesday night chicken wings, the 50-cent wings they do on Wednesday. Solid value there. Uh, don't want to leave that out. Also, Oxford Canteen, too. I think Corbin does a good job. Uh, I used to go eat there when it was in the alley when I was back in school. Now they're you know, down North Lamar a little bit, but I try to support them too. Awesome. Speaking of food, uh, Soren, I feel like you had a, a question potentially about glizzies. Oh, yes. Okay, so um, I was wondering how many hot dogs or glizzies do you think that you could eat in a glizzy or hot dog eating contest if you were given the chance to do so? What uh, I hate to ask is what's a glizzy? Okay, so that is, um, that is a word okay. for hot dog. So, yeah, how many hot dogs do you think that you could potentially eat in a hot dog eating contest if given – uh, the chance to do so to compete. Man, I, I, you know this is gonna sound like a weird, funny answer being from the South. Like I'm not really a big hot dog. Like the only like, some of the only foods I don't like are like hot dogs and ranch dressing. I'm just not really a big fan of them. Like I love good sausages, but I'm not. I don't know. It's never been a hot dog guy. I think you, I'm better off in a crawfish eating contest. I think I could knock down a good 10 or 15 pounds. I think that's maybe more my lane. I guess it's my Louisiana ties. Okay, okay. That's respectable. I like that. Scotty, you got a question? It's uh, great to see you on here, Ben. And I had a question for you about New York barbecue. So I see all these great uh, see all these great Texas and Louisiana and Mississippi barbecue places um, on your Twitter. And I'm just wondering, whenever you get to New York, do you even try the barbecue there? Have you... Have you tasted it in New York, and what do you think about the barbecue scene in New York, if you think anything at all? Well, so far I have not tried it yet. Uh, what I've been okay. trying, when I, what I love about New York food is the variety. I've been eating ramen and dim sum. I'm about to go try some Korean barbecue when I get back. But it's really just trying to do – I try to eat the stuff that we can't get in the South. And so I don't – I haven't tried Mexican food, and I hadn't eaten any barbecue, and I hadn't eaten any Cajun food up there just because I, I want to try everything we don't have. And so, you know, there's a couple of places that have pretty good reviews that I'll hopefully eventually get to check out. But so far, uh, no barbecue. I'm really just trying to focus on, on the different ethnic stuff that we don't have down here. Is it more of a deli scene there? Is it more of a deli, like, you know, Stardust Diner? I've been there in New York. That's seen more of a uh, sandwich-type place. Is it just more of a deli scene in general? Well, yeah, the delis are big. I'll tell you what gets me is, uh, man, I love the smoked salmon lox bagels. 
And oh, something about like going Amazing. to get your bagel and your coffee and walking to work is like a New York thing, maybe. Makes me feel like I'm in New York. I've been blown <laughs> away by the bagels. And then the other thing on the food scene, working for Dave Portnoy, the best pizza places in the world deliver to our office every day, whether it's John's on Bleecker Street, Joe's. I mean, I can't even That's name awesome. them all, but they all want Dave to say good stuff about them on the One Bite app. And oh, so I've kind of been struggling with the, the never-ending good pizza and bagels. Uh, we're going to try to do a little better dodging them in, in the new year. But it's uh, the pizza scene is mind-blowingly good, and I've uh, been enjoying the bagels a lot. The delis, I'm looking – I hadn't been to Katz's Deli yet. That's on my list of stuff to check out. Uh, they're really famous. Yeah, absolutely. I've heard about that. You know, yeah, if you got really good pizza, you know, just coming at your door every day, I understand not, uh, not wanting to even try any other restaurants, just wanting to keep on having that come to your door. So I understand that totally. And Randy, you had a question? I was going to ask – has Dave, has Dave given you his best choices for pizza in New York? But it sounds like you're having it delivered there. So let's pivot a little bit. I've seen Dave do reviews on frozen pizzas. What is your, like, the most elite frozen pizza that, like, I can go to Kroger and buy? Like, what, what's your go-to? Man, I honestly don't. I, I'm going to just be transparent. I don't have a great answer on this because uh, my thing is, like, I, I still need to do a little better on the health just like we all do. But – Usually, I either eat out. If I eat at home, I try to eat healthy. Uh, but I eat out a lot. In New York, especially, I just eat out nonstop. Um, so I don't really usually eat frozen pizza. I used to like California Pizza Kitchen, I guess, a little bit back in the day. But I don't have, like, a real – I I don't. I, I just want to be honest. I don't have a great answer. No, that's fine. I mean, this is a Red Baron household here. Um, okay. If I can't get – if it's not Little Caesars, it's Red Baron. I'm a, I'm a Little Caesars stan. I know people hate that, but – I love a little Caesar's pizza. I'm with you on that. Well, pizza, pizza. Um, let's, let's shift gears a little bit more off of the food talk. Um, let's kind of get back into maybe your your background, especially. Uh, Chef had a question. Yeah, no, I was. I did have a question on how did you get into broadcasting? I got really lucky, to be just completely honest. So I was a professional poker player. I, when I was in Ole Miss, I got there fall 01. And I started doing really well in online poker in like 06. And that was all I did from 06 to 14. I just tra I traveled the country. I played World Series of Poker. I mean, I did it, did it pretty big. And I went back to school when I was 31 and to finish my – I actually have a finance degree. I graduated with like a 2.00, literally the bare minimum. I graduated by the skin of my teeth. And when I got done, I didn't know what the hell I was going to do. I was hanging out in Oxford. I was playing online poker. And my, I have a buddy that I grew up with named Sean Fox, who does sports radio in North Louisiana, like the Monroe and Ruston area where Neil McCready's from. And this Shreveport company was going after him to try to turn around their station. And he had a wife and a kid, and he was committed to Monroe. And so he recommended me for this job, even though I had no experience. He said, this guy's got a funny personality. He knows a lot about sports. He might be a good radio host, or he could completely suck. And luckily, they didn't have very good hiring, hiring standards <laughs> at, uh, at Cumulus back then. And they, they took a shot on me, and I was awful that first year. I mean, I got handed a three-hour radio show with no experience. Man, that thing's longer than Braveheart every day. And uh, I remember my first day, I showed up. I had like 15 pages of notes in front of me, and I was talking so fast, I had to get Sean on the phone line four minutes in. But luckily, kind of anything you do in life – Man, you talk on there for three hours a day. You know, after a year or so, you start improving. You start figuring out what works. Started building contacts in the area, getting better guests. You know, kind of focusing on fantasy and gambling and finding my own lane. And 
Uh, you know, it really took off in my second year, and I ended up doing four years of Drive Time Sports Radio in Shreveport Bossier, which is about a 250,000-person market combined, and I uh, got a lot of experience. And the thing that really helped me leap off was my relationship with T-Bob Bear and Jordy Clotta at ESPN Baton Rouge, which I kind of mentioned. Uh, they're off the bench is the number one morning show in Louisiana, and I've been the gambling picks guy on there since 2017. And uh, that directly led to me getting hired down there, and uh, I've mentioned it several times. I, I think that that's been a big influence about why I've succeeded at Barstool in my time at Baton Rouge. I got a twofer for you, uh, especially with the gambling poker background. Uh, again, one of our guys not on tonight, uh, Kale. He's got Phil Helmuth once said, a king 10 is the worst hand in poker. Would you agree with that? And to follow up on that, for all of us novices that might be heading to Tunica soon, what's your best advice to give them? Well, okay, King-10, I mean, it's all about just being careful. If there's heavy action, you can get rid of King-10 and King-Jack and those kind of hands, just don't overplay it. But they're still very playable hands, and you can flop well, so I don't know that I'd call it the worst stand in poker. Uh, my advice on going to Tunica, okay, there's a thing in poker where, like, everybody plays home games with their friends and loves to do it, but, like, people are intimidated to go into the poker room of the casino. There's nothing to be scared of. It's all these older guys that are in their 70s, that are there having a good time, dumping around retired money. And so I think it's the big thing is just there's nothing to be afraid of at all about walking into a poker room. Like you kind of feel like it gets built up in your head as a thing to be formal. Man, you're in there with a bunch of retired rednecks. Man, it ain't, you know, it isn't near as tough as you think it is. Like it gets built up more in people's heads. And so I, I would just say just dive right in because, you know, in the South, I mean, y'all are all from there. They're you know, we, a lot of the same people you see at the poker table, they're not necessarily the smartest individuals you'll meet in life. So uh, there's some pretty weak poker games in the South. And so I would just say embrace it. You know, don't. there's nothing to be nervous about. There's nothing to fear but fear itself. Overall favorite casino in the South? Oh, well, uh, I'm going to have to be partial to my employer now uh, because uh, Pin Gaming, I'll just be being honest, Pin Gaming owns Barstool now. And so I'm going to be all over Louisiana and uh, Mississippi – and we, because they own, I was just at Ameristar Vicksburg. They own Hollywood Tunica, Hollywood Gulf Coast, LaBerge, Baton Rouge, Lake Charles. I'll say LaBerge, Baton Rouge just because of how I got treated down there, uh, picking me up in like a VIP with a guy waiting with my nameplate at the airport the other day. That was one of the damnedest things I've ever seen. Um, but I'm very partial to uh, all the pin gaming properties. Uh, went to Margaritaville, Bossier City, did some stuff. They actually own the Heartland Poker Tour which is a minor league poker tour, and I'm going to be doing a ton of stuff with that going forward. And so I'm going to have to be a company man and be partial to my pin gaming. I did grow up playing at the Horseshoe and Tunica. That was where I cut my teeth in poker when I was at my Ole Miss day, so I have a lot of memories there. And uh, also I've played a lot at Harris New Orleans and Beauvage Biloxi too, but got to, got to be a, I'm a pin man these days. Before we totally shift into the Ole Miss stuff, wrapping up real quick with the Barstool stuff, Obviously, right now, the Barstool Fund is going on. Uh, just kind of real quick, kind of, you know, what is going on with it? What's your involvement with it? And, you know, where could our listeners potentially support it? Man, it, it, th th this is exactly what I was telling y'all about working for Dave Portnoy. Look, he's going to call you out. You work for his company. You're going to get held accountable. Hell, he got on the rundown a few weeks ago and just said, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I hate Ben Mintz in front of, like, hundreds of thousands of people. You got to know when you work for him, you're going to have thick skin. You got to be able to take it. But underneath all the content and all that stuff is a heart of gold. And, you know, what he's doing for small business, which is the heartbeat of America. I mean, I, I was raised by families that, you know, come, came up with small business. 
Uh, it's so admirable. And uh, over $9 million raised. What I'm trying to do personally is I'm about I'm trying to push the New Orleans angle of it because New Orleans is struggling so bad right now because Latoya Cantrell, they call it Latoya the Destroyer. It's just been awful for all the small businesses. And NOLA, because NOLA's totally relying on tourism. You know, it's hotels, it's restaurants, it's music. There aren't any Fortune 500 companies down there. So my contribution is I'm trying to do stuff for New Orleans. Uh, just is going to be kind of my point of emphasis uh, with the Barstool Fund. And I've actually got some discussions coming up with our CEO in the next couple of days about that. And I really want to support the food and music and the New Orleans culture that makes the city so great uh, that's under fire right now, all the people that are out of work. Absolutely. And um, I guess on that note, what would be maybe your top one or two restaurants in New, in New Orleans that you're overall all like? Man, okay, so New Orleans, I always give a few few different, you know, it's the different types of food. For Poe Boys, I really like Domelisa's. And Parkway, uh, I, I'm really close with the guy. My buddy owns Blue Oak Barbecue. I think they got the best barbecue in New Orleans. I know you don't normally think of barbecue as a New Orleans thing. Uh, I really like what Michael Lotta's done with Maypop and Mofo. For sandwiches, I think Kushan Butcher has some of the best sandwiches uh, in the country, so I want to make sure I mention them as well. Uh, old school uptown, I always love Clancy's. always love Vincent's Italian. I mean, there's so many to mention. Uh, it's tough, but... Man, uh, just that's what makes it so great is the the variety. I was gonna say, I was gonna say, Giacomo's is one of my top places. Oh yeah, yeah, and I'm a big so the Maple Leaf next to Giacomo's is one of my favorite live. There and Tipitina's are my favorite two live music venues, and I used to live over there by Oak Street, so I always enjoyed eating Giacomo's. That uh, the the cheese that that cheesecake appetizer they have, the savory cheesecake is uh, nuts, man. That's uh, real creative. It's one of my favorite things. Next level for sure. Uh, and again, just before we get really into the Ole Miss stuff, uh, we had another guy for us. He's not able to make it again tonight. He's a big panic guy. He knows you're a big panic guy. Okay. He just wants to know, how many shows would you say you've seen? Well, okay, it's that's a funny question because I always say, like, the people that are like, oh, I've been to 181 shows, that's like counting beers when you're in high school, you know? It's like, dude, we get it, bro. You, you've been to a lot of shows. Uh, I'm, I'm in the 150 to 160 range. Um. It was really a thing where in 2011, I would get the poker tournament calendar out around the country, and I would get the Panic Tour out and be like, how can I go play poker tournaments and go see Panic? And so I took it all over the country. I mean, I saw them in Hollywood and Halloween Chicago and Boston and, you know, Vegas during the World Series of Poker. Uh, the most random place I've ever seen them was Ames, Iowa, where Iowa State is. That was That's definitely the all-timer, like, where the hell am I? Um... But, yeah, I think I'm about but somewhere between 150 and 160. And what I will say is this. I know COVID's put the live music on hold, but it's going to get so wild on this panic tour with this barstool stuff when I come back. I got a lot of really fun fun stuff in mind. I'm close to the guys that run Panic Stream, the big panic uh, fan site. We got plans for some happy hours and a lot of stuff. And, you know, I think the stoolies are, are going to enjoy some content from the widespread panic tour, or at least I hope. Heck, when you get into it, let us know. We'll hopefully be able to help you out with that too. Um, and his follow-up questions on that would be, what was the first show you went to, and what was your favorite show that you've seen? Man, I'll, actually, I'm a late bloomer on it, because uh, I started, I didn't get into it till like, 06, and so I missed the whole Michael Hauser era. I obviously listen to it all the time, but I can't sit here and, you know, say I was in, uh, I got to see all of it. Uh, my favorites that I've been to, I have four or five. Uh, the 25th anniversary, the first one in Athens, Georgia, on February 10th, uh, that was incredible. Uh, the, the Red Rock Sunday on June 26, 2011, that was 25th anniversary, was awesome. 
Uh, there was a Memphis show in 2014 fall when Chris Robinson came out with them, and I was a huge Black Crows fan growing up. And so I just freaked out getting to see that, that collaboration. Uh, that was one of my favorite. The Vegas Ladies' Night in 2017, uh, another one. So I'll say that's uh, some of my favorites. Oh, oh, yeah, also, 2010 New Orleans with Dr. John got up there with him and played Right Place, Wrong Time, and Dream Warrior. Won't ever forget that. And uh, my relationship with Panic's interesting. It's uh, it's like Popeye and his spinach, if that makes sense. Like, I'm a big dude. I mean, I'm 40 or 50 pounds overweight, and I turn on these Panic shows, and I can go run four or five miles. It just gets me so jacked. And what I do is I try to use the energy from these concerts to run or jog instead of dance party, if that makes sense. And so uh, I just love it, man. It gives me the bounce of my step. It makes me feel alive, and, you know, I'll be a, I'll be a spreadhead forever. And like you mentioned, you're ready for live music to come back. You're ready to start getting involved in it. You're ready to kind of boost these events going on. With all that, what would your dream show be when concerts start to come make a comeback? Mm, well, I love New Orleans music, too. And what's happened with this COVID NOLA thing, I mean, I'm going to – I can't wait, personally, when music comes back in New York, when Ivan Neville and Dumpster Funk and George Porter and – all the great New Orleans bands, Galactic. I've been doing stuff with Tipitinas to help promote them. I can't wait to go support all them in like 200-person venues in New York. Like getting to go see them in small places and really kind of help the NOLA thing is something I'm pumped about. Uh, I, 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 there's always a big argument between the Fish and Panic fans, but I really like Fish too. Uh, I really like Joe Russo's Almost Dead. I'm a big Grateful Dead fan. Um, so those, I'd say some, those are some of my favorites. But uh, we're, there's talk of a jam band podcast for Barstool could be coming in the future that uh, it's going to be, you know, I think a lot of really good content. Awesome. Sounds good. Yeah, I feel like uh, Big Cat can definitely help out with that. He's a quiet dead Yeah, no, that's the plan is, uh, man, I really am pushing. We're going to have Big Cat and me. And I really – I think we can do something special like Kevin – uh, a lot of the you know big time artists because of the Barstool brand, and when they all come up through New York, I think we could really build something there. And I also have big plans uh, to go out west in the summer. I love going to shows at Red Rocks, and we own Ameristar Blackhawk with Penn Gaming, so I'm gonna go out there to the sports book and go see Red Rock shows, and hopefully go to Omaha and go play World Series in Vegas. And so I've got some 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 Denver plans uh, too. All right, well, let's finally start to get into it. Uh, we can kind of maybe combine this segment into uh, kind of some general Ole Miss questions and also kind of talking about the Outback Bowl uh, with what you got. Uh, overall, Soren, I know you were kind of asking this. Yeah, I'm curious, why did you choose Ole Miss? Like, what made you want to come to Ole Miss out of all the schools that you could have possibly chosen? You know, because I know LSU is a really, really big thing, you know, in Baton Rouge. You know, I have a bunch of family that's uh, alumni from there and stuff like that. So I'm just curious, like, what made you want to come up north to Oxford, Mississippi? Okay, so I'm basically a mutt. Uh, my family has a farm in the Mississippi Delta by Greenville on Lake Washington, uh, Chatham, Mississippi, if you've ever heard of it. And I grew up going to that farm a lot, and my mom went to Ole Miss Law School and was big Ole Miss, and my dad was LSU. And I'm from Monroe, Louisiana, so that's north Louisiana. And, uh, man, I couldn't figure out where I was going to go between Ole Miss and LSU for years. I mean, and uh, I kind of – Ended up deciding to go to Ole Miss to just do something different because everybody from Louisiana went to LSU. And, you know, I'm really glad I did. Uh, but I had big Ole Miss ties on my mom's side and that that farm in the Delta. And so that kind of would be the direct reason I'd say I ended up in Oxford. Okay, cool. Cool. And I know Chef, uh, he had one. Yeah, Ben, your favorite Ole Miss memory. Uh, what is your favorite Ole Miss memory? Oh, man, this I got the best one. Uh, 
It was after Halloween, or not a Halloween, after midnight in the 2015 Ole Miss win at Alabama. That game lasted forever. It started at 8 p.m. We walked out of Tuscaloosa, the stadium, at like 1.15 a.m. Alabama came back like three different times. And I remember right after midnight when they were coming back, all our fans were getting quiet and the game was last a long time. And I was sprinting through the aisles of Bryant-Denny just going nuts, just saying, you know, raising hell, just like, we are not about to get quiet now. We're about to beat these guys for the first time here in 28 years. And uh, I always just remember just raising hell after midnight, Bryant-Denny. That, 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 that one stands out for sure, especially because the Rebs ended up winning the game. And now we got a, a twofer. Uh, it was by, again, two of our guys not here right now, uh, Chandler and Kale. Basically, they want to know, how do you feel currently about all the athletics under Keith Carter? And where do you see the direction of the football team after year one of the Lane Kiffin experience? I think that this is one of the luckiest and best times to be an Ole Miss fan ever. When you look at the combo of Lane Kiffin, Kermit Davis, and Mike Bianco, I don't think we've ever had three coaches that were this good all at the same time. I, I look, the football program, when you look at the way Lane closed in recruiting, I mean, y'all all know in the SEC, you can – you know, you got to get the athletes and the recruits to actually, you know, to win there. And the way Ole Miss closed, point, what, top 17, top 18 class, and just the exciting brand of football. People are talking about Ole Miss again. We're relevant nationally. Uh, couldn't be more pumped about it. Obviously hate how the LSU game ended, but long term, uh, I don't think that's that big a deal. Uh, Kermit, I, I hope people start to realize how lucky we are to have him. So when I was in Shreveport, I covered Louisiana Tech. Middle Tennessee State won Conference USA six years in a row. He beat Michigan State in the tournament when they were two seed. You know, he beat Minnesota one year. I couldn't be more impressed with him, and uh, I love what he's doing. And, I'm, you know, I know there's a huge divide in the Ole Miss fan base on the Bianco thing because, it, you know, every year the program's consistently good but struggles in the postseason and getting over the hump and the Omaha thing. But, man, if we keep pulling top five recruiting classes and competing at the top of the SEC and sending all these guys to the majors – I love our baseball program, and I still have the utmost faith in him. So I think right now uh, we're really lucky to have the three coaches we have. And the Keith Carter thing, man, I, I know a lot of people, you know, were, were curious if he was qualified, but he's been great. The way he went to bat against the Ole Miss older guard, and we hired Kiffin and told him to, you know, basically eat it. Uh, he's a guy that just loves Ole Miss. He's a rebel at heart, and uh, I, I've just been so impressed you know, by everything he's done. I mean, I think we're looking at potentially just an incredibly fun uh, next three to five years uh, of Ole Miss sports. And, you know, I know obviously we had a rough stretch with that NCAA stuff, and I think this could be a great time, you know, if Oxford and everything can open up with COVID. I think we got a great days ahead, and I'm glad to be a small part of it. Yeah, absolutely. I know I think we're all excited about it. Randy, you had a question? I did. So, Ben, and you may not know this, I am also the one who runs uh, at Ole Miss Unis. And so – um, my question is going to be uniform related. Take the big three sports, baseball, football, and basketball. Give me your favorite uniform in each one. Okay, fo football, look, I know it's traditional, but, man, when we wear the red with the gray pants and the powder blue, I mean, uh, that, 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 that just can't be. I don't know. I just love it. Uh, that's my favorite. I love how classic and traditional it is. The baseball powder blues, uh, I'd say, are probably number two. Uh, those things look great. And then I go – Third, I'd say, I know the football kind of changed the powder. The powder blue is a little bit of a different shade this year, uh, I've noticed. But I still, you know, I like the powder. I'll, I'll say the powder blue with the gray pants. And if we wear the when we wear powder blue on the jerseys, I like to wear the navy uh, helmets. I think a little bit of contrast. But so I'll say that as one, two, three. But the red with the gray, 
Man, uh, I just love it. I think it's classic Ole Miss. Awesome. What, what about basketball? You, I don't know if you follow much Ole Miss basketball. I, I do. I do follow Ole Miss basketball. Um, we've kind of been tra- – I, I like that we've been, we've been mixing it up some. Um, I like the red. I, I'd say I like the red with the navy blue trim in basketball maybe the most. I actually went to a game in the pavilion uh, last week, the UT Martin game, and ha- I had a blast. Uh, I've gotten to know Parrish Buchanan, who runs the marketing from the athletic department really well. Uh, that's I gotta say a lot of good things about him. Uh, that's been a great relationship. But you know, I'd say I guess I I'll, I guess I go with the red in basketball. Chef, any quick thoughts on the gray pants? Yeah, the gray pants suck. <laughs> no, they don't suck. I don't think they. Oh, suck. they suck. Completely I, suck. I think I think the whites look really good and will be better if they add colored stripes to them. Like when you're wearing a red uniform, wear white pants with red stripes. Or if you're wearing the navy uniform, wear white pants with a navy stripe. But I also I agree with Ben. The gray is traditional. It's historical. You look back at Ole Miss and the history of Ole Miss. They didn't wear white pants before 2015. Uh, 15 against I believe it was UT Martin uh, was the first time they ever wore white pants. It was the game that Robert Kimdichie caught a pass out of the backfield as a running back. But before that, they never wore white pants. It was only gray pants. And that's what a lot of people know them by. Like Ben, I'm sure a lot of your, you know, favorite Ole Miss memories, Ole Miss was wearing gray pants when they when they did whatever they were doing. And so I know a lot of people they have a love for them, and I don't hate them. I think the whites are a good look, and I, so I don't want to get rid of either one of them. But I, I I see both sides. I'm playing both sides here, but that's just kind of how I think about it. Well, we have so many. I got to say, it's a first world problem because I think all our uniform combos are some of the best in college football. So. They are. We don't have a bad look, I don't think. Randy doesn't think so. <laughs> Randy's got us by fifth. <laughs> Let's talk Outback Bowl. Uh, we can lead this one off with, uh, I guess, Randy, Ben. What are y'all's best guests on, on the uniform combination for, for the ballgame Friday? We are the away team. Keep that in mind. Um, my best bet for the bowl game is going to be powder blue helmets, white tops, white pants. Thoughts, Ben? I, I figured the white jerk, the white tops. Uh, Kiffin seems to be real partial like in the powder blue. So I'd say, you know, the, see, white, yeah. I, I think the white tops and the powder blue helmets uh, are coming. I'm not totally sure on the pants, but I know we are the away team. I got to be honest, I'm more worried about who's actually playing in this damn thing. Uh, you know, Kiffin, I know – I read Neil McCready's tweet, you know, worried about guys opting out of the bowl game. I mean, I, I'm a super positive guy, but, man, I, it's going to be tough to turn around from what happened in that second half and that Louisiana rain and Baton Rouge with all these opt-outs. I know Indiana's going to be really motivated for this one. I think, you know, I look, who knows? You never know what's going to happen in bowl games, but I, I got some. And speaking of that, Charlie Dumas tweeted, give me 84 more with this mentality at Lane Kiffin. And the, the quote was from Ben Brown. There's nowhere else I would rather be practicing than with my brothers and getting ready for a bowl game. There's nothing else I would rather do on January 2nd. Uh, and Lane Kiffin quote tweeted that with a, a hundred emoji. So it sounds like there's definitely something brewing in that regard as far as wanting the guys that are actually willing to want to show up and all that kind of stuff on the, the squad. It's such a weird dynamic in this day and age, and I've kind of straddled the fence on my social media about it because, look, I mean, when people like, you know, you look at what Elijah Moore did for Ole Miss's program the season he had. I mean, he's been playing football his whole life. His dream is to be a millionaire and play in the NFL. You know, who am I to say, 
you know, to judge what people want to do with their careers when it comes to advancing it. I mean, yeah, I wish he could have played against LSU, but I don't blame him for for opting out in that. I mean, I'm not I don't know what I would have done because I've never been in a position like that. But you know, we I feel like there's a thing as fans, we feel like we have like you know, we're so we're all so invested because we went to Ole Miss and our money and our family and relationships. But you know, I try to be empathetic toward the players, realizing you know their goal is to make a living playing pro football, and a lot of them come from tough backgrounds and been doing this since they were seven or eight years old. So I try to not be too negative on the, the guys that are opting out. And just be, I'm a little empathetic, but, you know, I'm, I still, you know, nobody wants people that quit either, so it's, a, it's kind of a fine and, line. And you're a fan at heart, and that's what you want to see. Uh, Soren, you had a question? Yes, I was going to say about the whole uniform thing. Is it okay if I go back to that? Yeah. So I, I'm thinking – Ben, I got a question for you. How would you feel if one day we actually showed uniforms where we had the powder blue tops, we had the navy, um, the, I mean, uh, the powder blue helmets, the navy tops, and um, and the navy uh, bottoms without the red rebels on the side? I mean, I love the red. I don't know. It's a, I, 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 I like having at least some of the, some of the red. That's a lot. That's an awful lot of navy. You know, navy blue. I mean, I. I don't, I like I like the navy, but I like it more in the background. Uh, I would say to accentuate. I know I'd said that because well, Randy, you hate that. I mean, it's absolutely. I I told them to mock it up one time, and it's all it is, is. It's just the 2014 matchup uniform we wore against Louisiana Lafayette, but with a powder blue helmet, and that uniform looked bad anyway. When it was all monochrome navy, that was bad. I don't need the the powder blue helmet does not help that. It makes it worse because it clashes with it. And like Ben said, you need some type of red in there, I think. Um, the Rebels on the side of the blue pants was white, though. And so, I don't know. I, I'm not I'm not a fan of that look at all that Soren is coming up with here. And so, I'm going to throw it out there. Speaking of red, we've got Indiana, Outback Ball. What are your thoughts on this ball game? They come in potentially ranked between 7th, 11th. Uh, six and one in the Big Ten. They got. They feel like they got slighted a bit because of being, you know, passed on one of the big playoff balls, or you know, even one of the big New Year's Six balls. How do you think we're going to come into this? Obviously, we're looking at you know potentially having some players missing. What's what's your mood? I'm so impressed by the job Tom Allen's done in Indiana. Former linebackers coach at Ole Miss under Freeze before he went to South Florida. Uh, the thing about bowl games, you know they're going to be fired up as hell to be there. It's a big deal for Ole Miss to be in the Outback Bowl, but I'm worried about us just limping to the end. I mean, the guys opting out, we don't have a ton of depth. I, I mean, I, I never I never like to be too, too negative, but I, I am a little concerned about this one. Indiana's got a hell of a defense. I think they're going to be uh, super motivated. I know that they're not necessarily the most talented football team. Michael Penix, their quarterback, has been out for the year. Uh, they do have two really good receivers, Trey Freifogels, especially one to watch. He had 225 yards against Ohio State. But, you know, I, I, it's just such a weird year. I know that's a stupid excuse to say with COVID. You know, we're lucky to get to play in this big a bowl game at four and five. But I, I don't know. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't necessarily like us in this game. I just hope I'm wrong. You can say, obviously, we've seen Matt Corral whenever he's without Yaboa, without more kind of forces the ball a little too much. Obviously, Indiana has a pretty good defense. Do you see him trying to force it more? Could you see another five-interception game from him with Indiana's defense? I don't think five-interception. I think that Louisiana rain, I'm telling you, I was at that game in Baton Rouge. Man, that rain was falling so hard it hurts you when it hits you. I mean, that was the hardest rain in football game I've ever seen or been a part of, and I think that got to him because he's a California guy. He never played anything like that, I don't think. 
And so I think that had a big bearing on what happened in Baton Rouge. I think he'll take better care of the football. Uh, you know, Ole Miss certainly going to try to be balanced. I really love the game Parrish played, you know, stepping up and running back with Ely. You know, Ole Miss is going to have to be balanced in this game, but I don't know. I'm just I'm, – I'm really concerned that Indiana is going to be more motivated, I think, than we are too. And uh, I, th- I think Ole Miss can fight, but – Gosh, I, like I said, I hope I'm wrong, but I'm, 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 I'm just saying I'm a little concerned. If you had to pick a player of the game on the offensive and defensive side of the ball for us, who would you pick? I got to mention, John Rice Plumley. I need to mention this. I'm hearing he's going to be playing slot for this bowl game. That's the word going out. Can't wait to see how they use him. Well, so I'll, sure, I'll say him. You know, they need to figure out a way to create offense with him. You know, you see what the Saints do with Taysom Hill so much. And, you know, Plumley. I guess maybe hadn't been comfortable receiver – but this seems like a game where, you know, Indiana's going to have a tough time preparing for that. So I'll, I'll, I'll say him, you know, maybe this is a spot where he can step up and do some stuff. Yeah, get those legs uh the ball, you know, let them, let them run around. Scotty, you got a question? So, uh, Ben, I see, uh, you know, Otis Reese, he's been, he's been really, he's been there in the games. He's been making good plays. He's been making some hard-hitting tackles and stuff like that. But do you see this as the game that he really comes forward in the game that he really makes his presence known? And grabs an intercession, makes a forced fumble. Do you see that as the game? Because it is, it is a Big Ten opponent. It is a, it is a offense that we could probably make some plays off of. Do you see this as his game that he comes forward and really makes an impact on the game with a turnover or something? Like I like that? what I've seen from him so far. I mean, he he's an athlete. I love just the way you know he he's he's you can tell the talent is there. The fact is, this is still only what his third game. You know, he hadn't been eligible for hardly yeah, any games, so hopefully he's more getting more comfortable in the scheme. Um, so yeah, I think that's as good an answer as any. I, I certainly like his playmaking potential. Uh, we're lucky to have him at Ole Miss, and, oh, and I think he certainly okay. made a difference. We need everybody we can get uh, right now on the defensive side. I feel bad for our defensive guys because we go so up tempo on offense with the ninety plays a game we like to run. I mean, you need to have you know two, three you know, levels of depth that we don't have. And so I kind of just feel bad because our defense gets put in a lot of tough spots. But that's part of playing for Lane Kiffin uh, and Jeff Levy team because we're always uh, going to push the tempo. But I think Otis Reese is you – know, I'd say that that's, uh, that's a pretty pretty solid answer. I, I like his potential and future for Ole Miss for sure. So I'm curious. I know a lot of people have actually been pretty critical of DJ Durkin, um, even though I, I feel like it's not necessarily fair to get, you know, um, put blame on him so far. But I'm curious, how do you feel about uh, – Coach Durkin. I feel kind of the same way that we – look, the only thing – I was frustrated. I know they were trying to double-team Butte at the end of the LSU game. But, damn, you got to let somebody else beat you at the end of that game. To me, that was ridiculous because he was obviously doing – I mean, he had 308 yards and 14 catches. But I still think you got to let them get their guys in. I mean, we're looking at a really unique situation where this junior and senior class all got hit hard – by the NCAA sanctions. And so our depth is just so bad on defense. And then because of the tempo we play on offense, they're getting put in tough spots. So I think with Durkin, you got to give him another year or two and let him get recruits in before we, you know, go ahead and move on from him. Um, So I'm kind of going to give him the benefit of the doubt, Uh, even though it has been really rough this year. I just think the defense is kind of in a no-win situation because of the depth and the pace of the offense. Uh, Just going back kind of to how you expect Matt Corral to play, Um, now that you know Braylon Sanders is out and, of course, Darion Ely being out, he's going to be without his top three targets and his running back. Do you think there's a chance maybe he does have a little more, uh, a few more interceptions than you're anticipating, especially Indiana averages over two and a half a game. They have the 17 interceptions on the year. So um, I'm kind of worried about the passing game, I think. Uh, what are your thoughts? 
I'm wor- I'm worried about it too, and I-, I think this might be the game where whatever's been saved for John Rice Plumley all year that we hadn't used, uh, now's the time to use it because you know you can't think Corral has any kind of a good cramp. I mean, look at all all his top guys he's built the chemistry with are out. Indiana has an excellent defense. I mean, this is certainly a game he he could struggle, and so Ole Miss is going to maybe have to create uh, create create a little bit of offense. I don't think he's going to turn it over five times by any means, but you know I don't see this game being in the forties or anything like that. I think it's going to come down to taking care of the football uh, and the defense just uh, giving him a chance. But the more the more you say uh, talking about all these things we're worried about, the more I'm worried about this game as it get clo- is getting closer. Ben, is this a game where Mingo has to show out? I know he's been kind of quiet all season, but he's probably going to be the top receiver besides Drummond for this game. Is this a game where he has to show out? Where he has to create some uh, some problems for for the secondary and free up some room for for. I, I, I hope so because like I, like I said, I mean he was a big recruit. You look at him; he's got all the attributes, the speed, the size. You know, he looks like a dude on the football field, and he's made a few plays here and there, but there's just been no consistency whatsoever. Absolutely. And uh, for all, the Ole Miss, one of the only really negatives of this offense all year was just the depth at wide receiver. I mean, Elijah Moore and Yaboa did everything, especially Elijah. And so now without those guys, you know, we are a little bit exposed. And you mentioned Braylon Sanders being out. That certainly uh, doesn't help. But, man, I hadn't seen Mingo be consistent enough to, to, to be reliable. I mean, he's certainly going to have a shot to. Uh, if he's going to do it, this is the game for him uh, to it, do yeah. it. But I'm still – I hate to sound like it, but I'm until I see it, i got to see it to believe it. So this is a two-parter, Ben. First one's short and simple, though. Are you going to be at the game Saturday? I am not going to be able to make this one. I planned out that trip to South Louisiana. I've been to 18 of the last 21 Ole Miss LSU games uh, with my LSU ties and Louisiana ties. That's always kind of, you know, the week I try to make every year. Uh, I'm actually headed up to New York on the 3rd. I'm going to fly back, but I'll, I'll be watching every play of it. Uh, I'll be back in Oxford in spring. I'm a big Ole Miss baseball Guy, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm hearing – I'm not feeling great about the tailgating of baseball from what I'm hearing right now, but I'm still going to come back uh, and make some games. But uh, no no Outback Bowl for me, uh, unfor- unfortunately, uh, not going to make the – Okay, so the second part of this question, since you're not going to be there, I've seen some tweets, and you may be, maybe you've seen them too. Every year for the Outback Bowl, they have two people dress up as two different appetizers from the restaurant. One's the the blue onion. Yeah, I've seen this. And one is the sh- the some kind of shrimp. I don't know, uh, some kind of shrimp they serve. Yeah, it's the shrimp on the out. Yeah, the the coconut shrimp. So I've seen some. So because we are the uh, Bloomin' Onion team, I've seen some people suggest that you be the Bloomin' Onion mascot this year. If the Outback Bowl called you and asked you to be the Bloomin' Onion mascot, would you do it? Man, um. Man, I know. I mean, anything for some publicity, I guess. But damn, I, I don't. I don't know if I quite. I, I can't. I can't. <laughs> you know, hell, I'd probably do it. Sure, why not? You know, I know people would laugh at it and get a bunch of content. The one thing I can say you're going to see from me on the Outback Bowl front that's going to be fun is uh, be on the lookout for my voice with some Ole Miss football hype videos because that that could be coming. I think that's going to be maybe my contribution to this Outback Bowl. I think you'd be a great blooming onion mascot. Just want to get that out of the way. <laughs> I know I like to eat them, damn, you know. Uh, but, yeah, I, 
Blooming onion, huh? I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't say, uh, I can't say I thought of that one before. Ben, are you saying you might be featured on a uh, Ole Miss hype video? There, there's uh, a well, Mary? I'm, I'm hitting, yeah, I'm strongly awesome, hitting man. at those, it. Uh, those hype videos are awesome. So that would be a that'd be a great narrator, no doubt. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm super, I'm, I'm honestly super pumped about it. They, uh, they, I mean, I know this. I'm not sure when they're posting the video, but they they hit me up about it already. I hadn't voiced it wow. over anything yet, but I'm gonna get super. Uh, su super dialing up for it. Uh, I love what Ole Miss does. I'm really impressed by the production uh, that we do. I mean, obviously, we all watch the season and stuff, but just in general, uh, I think our video production, our, our social media teams are great. You heard it here first. All right, so let's shift into our bowl pick'em. Uh, and so we'll get to the uh, recap of our game uh, at the end of this. But overall, Ben, uh, again, going back to your kind of previous episodes, you were middle of November picking around 50%. Uh, at the same time, I noticed that when you were on Talk of Champions October 21st, you called success for the Rebels this year and Lane Kiffin being a 4-6 and six team with an Egg Bowl win, so you pretty much nailed that one on the head. On the Rebel Report on November 11th, you called Dustin Johnson winning the Masters, even though it was going to be chalk, uh, so you nailed that one. And then on the Red Cup Rebellion on November 23rd, you called the Egg Bowl score pretty much where it was going to be. I think you said 41. I went a little high. It was 31 I, I went so a little high. Right I thought I, I, I didn't think it'd be as low score. You're, you're, you're nailing it. So we obviously want to hear your picks and we want to get your takes on this. And hopefully, uh, you know, if we actually put some money on it, maybe, maybe we win something too. Uh, but with that, let's get into it and uh, let's kick it off with the Cotton Bowl. We got number seven, Florida, plus three against number six, Oklahoma. Uh, who you have in this one? I like Oklahoma a good bit in this game. The Kyle Pitts and Tony both not playing. I mean, for Florida, that's two first-team All-Americans. You saw how much they struggled in that LSU game without Kyle Pitts and how much of it. I mean, we all know how good. You saw what he did to Ole Miss that week one. I mean, he's a top-10 NFL pick. And I also think so much of analyzing bowl games is looking at the motivation thing. And they fought – I mean, they fought valiantly in that Bama game, losing by six. I don't think they're necessarily happy to be at this one. And Oklahoma, you know, they really played well down the stretch. They had those two losses to Kansas State and Iowa State early, but Rattler got more comfortable, and Alex Grinch's defense improved a ton this year. This game's in Dallas, too, which is a little bit of a home game for Oklahoma. And uh, I've seen Oklahoma, you know, they hadn't had success in the playoff games, but they have had success against SEC teams in bowls, you know, before. And so I actually like Oklahoma a pretty good bit in this one. I don't, I don't think Ford is as fired up for it. Yeah, I'm going Oklahoma, too. I think Florida, not only do they not give a shit, they're also missing a few players. I think like three of their main wide receivers have opted out of the bowl game already. I just think Oklahoma is a better team for one. And then two, they're going to care more and they're just going to, they're going to beat up on Florida. They see it as a chance to beat up on an SEC team. Yeah. Oklahoma, um, the opt outs are the main reason. Um, they actually, their top four targets aren't going to be in the game. Copeland tested positive for COVID too. So their top target's going to be a running back, uh, a fourth-string wide receiver, and a backup tight end. Obviously, Oklahoma is the surefire pick here, but I see Oklahoma's um, – their play against SEC teams the last few times they have played has been absolutely awful. And besides the Alabama game, of course, where they beat Nick Saban, that was hilarious. But I can't see Oklahoma actually playing – well in this game. I think Florida's going to play pretty bad, too. I think it's going to be a very low-scoring game, but I actually think Florida will come out here on top. I'm going to go ahead and say um, Oklahoma, too, and just for the pure fact that I'm pretty positive that Marco Wilson, the infamous LSU shoe thrower, is also going to be out, too. Um, and, you know, just because of that, man, I just 
I just don't think that Florida's going to be able to pull one out. Oklahoma. I actually have Florida still. Um, as Scotty said, Oklahoma's play against SEC teams is just awful. Big 12 doesn't play defense. I know I was talking to a couple of Florida fans today. They said uh, they're going to see some of the younger receivers, and they're all pretty big guys. So I'm interested to see that matchup against uh, Oklahoma's DBs, who have who are known for not being as well. I know one of their uh, best DBs is 5'9". He's going to match up against somebody who's 6'2". So so it's going to be an interesting matchup to see. So I still have Florida with the win. Eight touchdowns last year, Joe Burrow. Eight touchdowns. I was was at that game because I was working for ESPN Baton Rouge getting to cover that. That that first half, they had seven touchdowns and seven – I think they – well, they actually had one punt. And seven touchdowns. That was insane. I can't see those DBs honestly competing against any sort of SEC talent. I mean, that that game was was a testament to how Oklahoma plays in those big games. That was that was unbelievable. I can't see Oklahoma competing. And I've got a personal vendetta against the state of Oklahoma, so I refuse to pick them. I'll go Sunshine State plus three <laughs> uh, and take Florida in that one. Um, now moving on to the Armed Forces Bowl with uh, another Oklahoma school, number 24, Tulsa. Uh, coming in as a two-and-a-half-point favorite against the uh, school that we know down to the south in Starkville. Uh, ben, your your thoughts on this one? I actually like Tulsa in this game. Uh, Mike Leach does crappy in bowl games. I mean, he, he really it's, – it's a weird thing, but it's been a while. The Leach team struggle in bowl games for some reason. And uh, a lot of times in these bowl games, it's real interesting to me, it's going to be a bigger deal for Tulsa to play Mississippi State than it is for State to play Tulsa. This thing's in – you know, Fort Worth, I don't know. I kind of like Tulsa. I like Tulsa in this one. I think Mississippi State, I know they played a little bit better down the stretch. Certainly played their best game of the year against Missouri, but uh, I'm, I'm going to go with Tulsa here. Yeah, I've got Tulsa too. Um, I think Tulsa's just like Ben said, they're going to see Mississippi State as a chance to prove to the world that they are, they're deserving of their ranking. They're ranked 24th in the nation right now. The, now, they did have their best defensive player opt out of the game. I don't think that I don't think that's going to hurt them too much. State's offense has been anemic. Like Ben said, Leach does pretty poorly in bowl games historically. I just don't think he cares about them, and so I think we're going to see a repeat of that. Um, I'm actually going to upset some people with this pick, but I took State. Um, like Randy said, Zayvon Collins opted out. It's their NFL top NFL defender, um, and their defense kind of revolves around him. And I know no one guy does the defense, but. With how uh, State's been playing over the last month and the offense actually kind of moving, um, I gave them the edge. I think the ranking, the number in front of Tulsa is going to kind of give those guys a little something to play for. So, um, you know, we'll see. Hopefully they lose. I'm still hoping they lose. So I actually took State here too. You see the emergence of uh, Will Rogers and number 31. There's two of them. I can't remember their names. But uh, I, think, I think Mississippi State actually has progressed a lot over the past month, and I can't see a team like Tulsa coming in and knocking off state with how they played against Georgia, Ole Miss, and those teams over the past month. I think uh, the state's actually getting progressively better and better. I think they finally found their quarterback, and I can't see I can't see a team like Tulsa coming in and beating state as much as I would love it to happen. So I, you know, after watching the Mizzou game and, and state actually pulling that um, – out of their ass and actually winning that game. I do think that they are getting progressively better, like you said, Scotty. But I just refuse to pick Mississippi State for anything, and so I'm going to have to go with Tulsa on this. I have to. 
realistically, I want to say Mississippi State, but then I remembered I actually hate Mississippi State, and whoever plays Mississippi State, I'm going to pick that team. You could take everybody I hate, put them on a team. I'm rooting for that team. I have Tulsa. Uh, I know I just mentioned I have a personal vendetta against the state of Oklahoma, but that's because I went to high school at Jenks in Tulsa, and I will say that our high school constantly put out more fans in the stands at Tulsa Stadium during a rivalry game against Union, and... So with that, I like Tulsa. Nice little private school up there. I'm going to take Tulsa two and a half to beat Mississippi State. On the Mike Leach note, I will also mention bowl games while at Texas Tech, he was five and four. And the one that might stand out the most would be that 2004 Holiday Bowl when he absolutely, and Tech absolutely destroyed Aaron Rodgers' draft stock. Um, Basically before that game, Rodgers was definitely that top five pick, came into it, and afterwards fell to what, that 23rd spot. So it was definitely kind of something there. Of course, then when he was at Washington State, he went two and four in bowl games. So seven and eight overall, kind of on the line there. Uh, he lost to Jevin Sneed in the Cotton Bowl, didn't he? Yep, that was one where yep. they came in ninety four percent favorites. We came out with the the victory <laughs> on that one. So also another. I'm not sure how you cover from that. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. That's when tough. his uh, his record kind of went downhill after that one for sure. Um, but let's move on to the Citrus Bowl. We've got Auburn plus three and a half against Northwestern. Uh, ben, your thoughts on this one? Man, it's hard to judge Auburn. Obviously, Kevin Steele coaching this bowl game. Uh, that just kind of a weird. Everything's so weird. That was the craziest. Well, not quite Tennessee level, but close. Uh, how wild that whole coaching search went. Um, still, though, Northwestern's a hard team to take laying three and a half. They're a team that historically is a great underdog. I think Pat Fitzgerald is an awesome coach. But they're not really, you know, usually when they're a favorite, they tend to struggle. I mean, I guess I'll take Auburn just getting the three and a half, but I got I got to tell you, I don't feel very strongly about it. It's going to be a little, I, not going to be a shootout. Uh, it's going to be like a 2017 type game one way or the other, so I'll just take the three and a half. Yeah, I've got Northwestern. Uh, I like, like Ben said, I don't think it's going to be some shootout, some offensive juggernaut type showing. I think it'll be a close game, but, man, just – like you said, the coaching the coaching search being so wild, I don't like Kevin Steele as a head coach. Interim head coaches in bowl games always scare me because either they really care and they want to kind of show up show off that they can coach a team, or they don't care and just show they show up and it's like they're dead. But I don't think Auburn's very good. I don't think Auburn's as good as other people th- other people think. I don't have any faith in Bo Nix. So give me Northwestern. Yeah, it's like Northwestern, too, for a few reasons. The low-scoring defense in the Big Ten, they force a lot of turnovers. Bo Nix is kind of all over the place at times. But more than anything, I think uh, the Fitz has a bit of a chip on his shoulder from 10 years ago when they played in the Outback Bowl. And uh, he was looking for his first bowl win, and Auburn stole it from him in overtime. Some absolutely horrible kicking woes from the Northwestern kicker. So I think the Wildcats get their revenge. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Northwestern here. Uh, Auburn, you know, with all of the with Gus Malzahn leaving, with Kevin Steele historically horrible as a head coach, leading the Tigers on this. I can't see Auburn wanting to play for this game at all, having any motivation. I can't see them actually coming forward and uh, putting up a fight against Northwestern. I'm gonna take them in this game. So I'm going to also take Northwestern on this too. One of my biggest reservations for this game is the fact that I'm assuming that Chad Morris is going to be calling plays uh, on offense. And in my opinion, I think Chad Morris is a horrible college coach. 
Um, unfortunately, I think Bo Nix could be a lot better than he actually is if Chad Morris wasn't his offensive coordinator. Um, and so with that saying, you know, their offense always stalls in big moments where they need to actually come up with plays, in my opinion. And so um, I just I can't, you know, in good faith, take Auburn at all. And plus, I hate any mascot that that's a tiger. I mean, it's just stupid. Come on, let's be a little bit more creative here. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to take Northwestern. I have Northwestern, too. Um, actually, earlier today, it was rumored that Tank Bigsby has COVID on top of all of this. Yeah, so Tank has COVID. Oh, jeez. So I have Northwestern big. I know Auburn doesn't even want to play in this bowl game at all. So Northwestern's going to make a statement, just like all Big Ten teams love to try to do against SEC teams. So Northwestern by at least 10. On my pick, I'm going to quote our guest here who said on the Talk of Champions, he thinks Bo Nix sucks at football. So on that note, I'm also taking Northwestern by three and a half. So let's move down to the Peach Bowl. We've got number nine, Georgia, seven-point favorites over number eight, Cincinnati. Uh, Ben, your thoughts on this one? My thoughts on this, this is the most interesting bowl game matchup, I think, because Cincinnati, man, you don't see, like, I mean, their defense – Look, the American Athletic Conference is definitely the best non-Power 5, year in, year out. And what they did to SMU, Memphis, and Houston's offense, you don't hold those teams to 10, 13 points often. I mean, that was something you just don't see. And even when Central Florida was dominating that conference, you know, they, those other teams were scoring points on them. But, man, Georgia's been a totally different football team since they put JT Daniels in there. And they're red hot at the end of the year. I think they do have an athleticism and speed advantage, and a lot of times in the bowl games, you know, when they're on turf in the domes, I think that matters even more. Man, God bless. Ah, uh, man, this one, this one, this. I've been going back and forth on this one all week. Uh, I'll take, I'll take it, I'll take Cincinnati in the points, but I obviously don't, don't love it. I do love it because that's who I picked. I picked Cincinnati <laughs> in the points as well. I think Georgia, Georgia has a history in bowl games as well of. They either really don't care or they show up and they play well. But most of the time it feels like they show up and they don't give a shit. I think we're going to see a repeat, a repeat of that this year. Kind of like Auburn. I put them in the same category as Auburn. I don't think they're very good this year. Um, we saw that against State this year where they were just too stubborn to play the right defense. I think Cincinnati comes out, shows out, kind of like these UCF teams have in the past when they played like LSU in a bowl game. I think we see the same type of performance out of Cincinnati this year. Uh, yeah, I've gone back and forth on this one pretty much daily. Um, I think overall I want to take Georgia with the points, but if Cincinnati covers, I think they win. Um, Georgia's getting a couple NFL prospects back with Richard LeCount and Jordan Davis, and I think that's going to be a really big part of the defense, which specializes against the run, which is mostly what Cincinnati does. Um, but Luke Fickle kind of has a different mentality there, and Desmond Ritter, when he has a game, the offense moves. When he doesn't, it's kind of hit or miss. But I've seen Cincinnati just absolutely flop in these big bowl games too many times to take them confidently just yet. So I think Georgia has actually been regressing over the SEC conference landscape. And I can't see Cincinnati coming in, though, and actually putting up a fight against an SEC team. They're still in the top five, regardless of their regression or not. I, I got to take Georgia on this one. I can't see – Cincinnati putting up a fight here at all. So, after seeing last year, whenever Memphis played Penn State in, uh, I think it was a Cotton Bowl, um, I just I think there's just too much of a big of a talent gap between you know the AC or the AAC and, and SEC teams. I just you know 
they kept it pretty close, uh, I think, until the third quarter. And in the fourth quarter, you know, Penn State ends up taking off. And so I, I think that the same thing happens here with Georgia. I think that, that Cincinnati will put up a good fight. But I think in the fourth quarter, just based off pure talent, that they're just going to – you know, I'm going to have to take Georgia on this. I just – too much of a big of a talent gap. So, You know, I took uh, Cincinnati – but uh, I changed my mind. Georgia has no choice but to win. The game is in Atlanta. I know Kirby's seat is a little hot right now. He literally has no choice but to win this game. If he gets embarrassed by Cincinnati in Atlanta, his seat is going to be hotter than anyone else is going into next season. So he has no choice but to win this game. I'm going to go back to uh, what Ben and Randy picked. I'm, I've got Cincinnati plus seven. Uh, I think it goes back to the motivation factor. I think Cincinnati is coming in, you know, mid-major school wants to kind of prove themselves Georgia it's a weird year you know who knows what happens but I'll take Cincinnati plus seven on that uh now moving into the Rose Bowl obviously a big one uh number four Notre Dame plus 20 against number one Alabama Ben your thoughts on it man I, I, I hate laying 20 points in the game but I just I, I just don't see how Notre Dame can stay in this Ian Book has had a hell of a year but this Alabama team, talking about a team that has not dealt with any opt-outs, they've been on a mission the entire year. And, uh, I mean, even God bless us, I hate laying 20 points, but I'll say Alabama 45-17. So, I guess I'm taking Bama laying the 20, even with the chalk. They're making you pay for it for dang sure. I'm going to give a little bit of my secrets away here. I know a professional gambler like Ben, this may be news, but when Alabama's playing, I pick Alabama. So give me Alabama <laughs> minus 20. I don't care what the line is. Give me Alabama. Alabama's going to cover. I don't care who they're playing. I mean, give me Alabama. <laughs> yeah, no analysis needed. Alabama. So this is a this is a tough one. I've been going back and forth between this one all week. The 20-point spread, it is that's – a, that's a ton. But at the same time, with Notre Dame's performance against Clemson – I can't see. The only thing that was going to help them is their offense. And with that dismal performance against Clemson, I can't see them doing any better personally against Alabama. So I'm going to have to take Bama here to cover the spread. Uh, Historically, Notre Dame has always been horrible against Alabama. So I I have to go with Alabama on this. Bama. Yep, I'll keep it short as well. Bama by 20. Now let's go down to Gator Bowl. Number 23, NC State, plus 2.5 against Kentucky. Uh, Ben, your thoughts? A hard game. A lot of these ACC schools are, I mean, kind of, they kind of run together sometimes. I've always thought Doran did a pretty good job at NC State, though. You remember Ole Miss looked at was that was a big thing when Matt Luke got the job. He was a guy we were looking at. Um, I'll go, I'll go with NC State just because Kentucky. NC State has a good offense this year. Kentucky does not. Uh, I'll just take NC State off that. Yeah, I don't know much about NC State, but I'm going to take them because I do know Kentucky's not very good. Um, I've, I haven't watched, I mean, I've watched maybe one game NC State played this year, so I don't have really any analysis on them, but I have watched Kentucky play a little bit, including against us and the famed game that ended up making Ben into this, you know, huge celebrity here. Um, I did watch that. And Kentucky- I got to send a Christmas card. I missed, I, sh- I need, I should have sent a card to that Kentucky kicker. You need to. <laughs> you need to thank that Kentucky kicker, just like Lane Kiffin wants to thank him. Um, but I'm going NC State with this game. In the interest of not repeating exactly what you two said, NC State. So I've actually watched NC State a lot this year, and they have their record is very good, but they have struggled in almost every game within their conference or within any 
decent FBS team. I picked NC State in the pick'em segment, but I can't. I can't in good faith. I'm gonna have to reverse my pick here. I'm gonna have to go Kentucky. NC State has just struggled in every single game they played with an even decent opponent. I think Kentucky is gonna just bear this one out just by a little bit. I think Kentucky gets the dub here. So I had a professor um, in one of my speech classes that actually went to NC State, and I know nothing about them, but just because I really liked her as a person, I'm going to have to go with NC State. Kentucky sucks. I'm going with NC State. That Kentucky team is awful. I am, uh, I'm with you guys. I don't know. I looked at it. They're ranked. They're giving points two and a half. I, I picked NC State on that one. Uh, so let's move down to the Orange Bowl. We've got number five, Texas A&M, seven and a half point favorites against number 13, UNC. Mac Brown gets to reinvigorate his rivalry against Texas A&M as a former Texas head coach. Uh, ben, what, what are your thoughts on it? I'm going to take the seven and a half in North Carolina here and take the points. Uh, I know A&M Jimbo's done a phenomenal job coaching them this year, but man, they got to be a little bit disappointed about what happened. Uh, I know that the Orange Bowl is still a big deal for them, but you know, the, the offense for A&M has been, I mean, it's been a little up and down. I know their defense has been excellent all year. They've had some great offensive efforts, but just uh, winning down, I'm going to take the seven and a half points here. And, you know, I, I know y'all y'all probably feel similarly as I do about the Phil Longo Ole Miss era, but he's kind of redeemed himself with Sam Howell and uh, that North Carolina attack. And uh, I'll just – I'm going to take the point. Yeah, I'm with you. I really like what Longo's done at North Carolina. I think that offense with Sam Howell, I think they're going to give A&M some fits. I think A&M's good. I think they're a defensive-oriented team. I think they're a little disappointed they didn't make the playoffs. Um, they should not have made the playoffs. But – I think they're gonna. I think they're just a little disappointed in that. I think they're gonna be a, in for a letdown here. And I think Longo, Matt Brown, Sam Howell, those guys just run over that defense. Um, yeah, I just the amount of points that UNC puts up is what had me wanting to go with them. Um, the things that I don't know, they they're two running backs. They have two thousand yard running backs, and both won't be playing. So I wonder, kind of, without the running game, um, if that kind of hinders the passing game so i'll throw a curveball in here and i will take texas a&m i actually took i actually took a&m as well in this and i can't with those two thousand yard running backs i i can't in good faith pick unc here regardless if they're out or not that offensive line is during the run game something something to be seen it is it is one of the greater offensive lines for run offense i've seen in a long time I think they honestly should have made the playoffs over Notre Dame. Hot take there, but thirty-one to three or whatever it was against Clemson, I think you should have seen A and M at least get a shot in there over Notre Dame. He's probably going to get blown out. So I say, uh, I say A and M here, no doubt. I think their offensive line is is what propels them. So I know this is at the beginning of the season, but Texas A and M only let or only scored seventeen points on Vanderbilt. And so I'm never going to pick A&M because of that. I- I'm going to have to go with UNC. Um, I have A&M. You know, of course, they're going to be mad they didn't get picked in the playoff. I have them trying to come in and make a big statement to everyone that they're not, you know, not really just a one-season wonder. So I have A&M. So on y'all's uh, points about the running backs being out and Longo ball and all that, I will say I was at that Clemson game last year at Chapel Hill where UNC came back fourth quarter two-point conversion to potentially win the game in the last seconds. They decide to go almost wishbone formation to run the ball. And with that, I'm going to say UNC should never run the ball. They just need to throw the ball. And so I'm going to take UNC plus seven and a half in this one after seeing that debacle. 
Uh, so in the Sugar Bowl, Clemson only a seven and a half point favorite against Ohio State. Uh, ben, your thoughts on this one? Man, it seems obvious to take Clemson. I think I'm going to take Ohio State in the points here. Uh, it's just so weird. I do think A&M deserved to get in over them. I think the Big Ten should have forfeited their playoff spot just by the way they handled the whole COVID thing. I mean, it's BS. I know they they beat Indiana and uh, Northwestern are their big wins, but I, I got to think, that, man, they got their heart tripped out last year in this matchup, and uh, I think Ohio State's got enough talent to at least keep up and make this a, a game. So I'm just going to take the point. It's going to be a hell of a matchup, though. Uh, can't wait to see it, but I'm going to I'm going to lean Ohio State in the points. I think Clemson pulls out a close game. Yeah, I think Ohio State's going to be trying to show that they did deserve to make it. But with that said, man, just give me Clemson. Give me Clemson and minus seven. I think the Tigers are just so much better. I put Clemson almost in the same category as Alabama, where if they're playing, I pick them. Clemson's just, you know, I mean, this is not a hot take. They're very good. But Dabo's also very well at covering. I mean, it doesn't matter what the what the spread is. Like, I've seen games where they've covered minus, like, 45, without without a doubt either. And so... Give me Clemson in this game. I think I think it's going to be probably a ten point game. It'll be one you sweat out a little bit, but I think they're in in the end going to going to pull that one out pretty big. Uh, kind of building off what Ben said, I think there's a lot of personal grudge match here for Ohio State. Um, really need Ryan Day to run the ball more and stop letting Justin Fields throw the ball to other teams. Um, but yeah, I want to take Ohio State with the points and let's bring back Clemson. So I took Ohio State here. I think that. They, even though they've only played six games, they are a the only team that can successfully have a a good game against Alabama. I think that if Ohio State does lose a game, it'll be totally Justin Fields' fault. I I say that Ohio State wins here by probably seven to ten points. I think they're gonna I think they're gonna get the dub. So you got Ohio State in the upset? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I think Ohio I think Ohio State wins this one. Even though they've only played six games, that's a, that's a great team. I think they're going to pull this one out. I'm also going to take Ohio State, too, just because I'm sick and tired of seeing Clemson um, in the championship game historically. It's, oh, it's awful. Yeah, it's Bam like the Clemson. same matchup. I, I'm sick and tired of it. I want to see Ohio State in there. I love Ohio State. Uh, Dabo Swinney's been talking very crazy about Ohio State. I think they're going to use that as bulletin board material and just come out firing. I think Justin Fields sees his draft stock slipping every day i think he tries to come out and improve his stock for sure that's a that's a great point to bring up Dabo sweeney privately has been talking insanely about ohio state and how much he hates that program so there's going to be a lot of there's gonna be a lot of bad blood between these teams and you could potentially see something break out eventually because these team these two programs have been going at each other for so long with recruiting and everything this is going to be an ugly game, I think. Yeah, hopefully there's no Woody Hayes incident uh, punching any Clemson players. No, but, hopefully not. Uh, there's definitely some bad blood there. Obviously, Ohio State's never beaten Clemson, so they've got that streak on the line. I think Dabo talking shit constantly is actually going to be more fire for Clemson. Uh, I think they're actually just tired of seeing Ohio State every single year. I think Clemson, again, will just go on big. Uh, and this one's I've got Clemson uh, covering that 7.5 fairly easily. And so... Last one before we wrap everything up. Obviously, the big one, uh, our own Outback Bowl. Uh, we've got us uh, plus seven and a half against number eleven Indiana. Uh, ben, your your pick on this and your thoughts. Final thoughts on it. 
Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not ever gonna go against this publicly here, so I'm gonna take the seven and a half. But I don't feel. I still have a lot of concerns. I think it could be. I, I think there's a. Indiana's defense has been so impressive all year, and I. I mean, got just so much respect for the job Tom Allen's done. Uh, they do have a backup quarterback in there, though. Their offense isn't as explosive, so I'll take Ole Miss in the points. Hope Ole Miss pulls it out, but. I got to tell y'all, a little bit more of a homer pick on this one than maybe Logic. I will publicly pick against us, and I will do that here. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I respect it. I respect that, Ben. That's a good fan. I'm not as good as a fan as you. I'm going to publicly pick Indiana. I'm a little worried about the offense. We're seeing guys that are not playing, players that are opting out, players that are hurt. John Wright's plumbling at the slot. I have no faith in that working at all. The defense is suspect, as always. I think the game is kind of ugly. Yeah, uh, just like Randy said, I went ahead and took Indiana. Uh, the thing is, with him having none of his targets and Indiana's defense being so strong, those are the main red flags for me. So so I think there's there's one scenario that has to happen here for Ole Miss to win. It has to be Otis Reese coming up huge in some sort of way in the game because we have absolutely no playmakers on defense at all, linebackers, defensive line secondary nothing is there there's no playmakers at all no game changers anything and then you're gonna have to have Matt Corral step up in a big way and going off his last game going off of where he's at probably mentally I can't see us I can't see us realistically unless Parrish has the game of his life compete in this game at all so I'm gonna have to take Indiana here as well so I'm gonna go ahead and choose Ole Miss just because I know there were some John Rice slander in here, but you know, I know John Rice well. He's a good friend of mine. And so I know how hard he works. And every time that I've talked to him and, and we have conversed about this, is that he's always one to really work hard. And I think that if he's given the challenge, he's gonna he's gonna take it and he's going to, you know, I think he's gonna surprise a lot of people. I really do think he is. And so putting him at the slot receiver, I think we might see some good things. So I'm gonna pick Ole Miss. Uh, you know, just with all the opt-outs, I have Indiana. I am excited to see Vanilla Vic in the slot, though. That's something I feel is going to be very beneficial for us eventually down the road. So I am excited about that, but I just think we have too many opt-outs, too many injuries, so I'm going Indiana. Yeah, I went Ole Miss plus 7.5. I, you know, Indiana goes back to the momentum thing. I think that they're actually kind of let down that they've gotten kicked back to this ball. Uh, I've said Previously, it reminds me a lot of the Texas Tech mentality going to the Cotton Bowl in 2008. Uh, and, you know, at the same time, a lot of, you know, 94% of people picked Tech in that one and Ole Miss came up pretty big. So I think it's a big game for us to have uh, young guys, new guys, all that kind of show up uh, and kind of, you know, basically hopefully take over kind of those positions that, you know, they're looking forward to taking over next year too. All right. So, Ben, before we close out, I just got to ask, who are you more nervous facing? Bunky Perkins or Eli Manning? So, Bunky, actually, we both have huge Shreveport ties. Because uh, I did sports radio in Shreveport, and Bunky practiced law here. And so, we kind of had a joke uh, battle for Shreveport thing going. And I actually had him on Mixing Up Immense, my old radio show before. Uh, he'd been a guest on there a few times. And he claims I know his brother. He's an attorney in Jackson. <laughs> but, man, who the hell knows that, you know, the imposter account uh, he's got going. Look, I thought the uh, – Man, I, I thought Eli thing would be a little tougher. I saw Red Cup Rebellion gave Eli a fight in the semis, so I thought there was some hope. And let's be honest, 
I probably used some ridiculous tactics using the barstool thing to, to win because I wanted to win that. And so that was a little bit unfair. But Bunky, uh, I had to really lean on the barstool thing a couple of times to win because his Twitter account, I mean, he, he's pretty – he's a hilarious guy on there. He's one of the best followers on the internet. Um, I thought I thought Eli would be tougher, but that Bunky matchup ended up being the championship one. And, man, he makes me laugh uh, all the time. I mean, he, he he's a worthy uh, Ole Miss Twitter champion as well but uh, i thought the shreveport tie thing was funny ben we ha- i have a plaque coming to you eventually oh or, please send it i'll, I'll definitely do something i do i have a plaque coming i've got to finish making that order i was planning on doing it last week before covid hit me and then i just kind of when i went out of my mind but there is a plaque coming you have a trophy coming for this victory I appreciate that. I got to say, it's been a long walk from being unemployed playing online poker in Oxford, Mississippi in June uh, to here. I mean, I, I like I said, I'm actually going to do a four-part blog on Barstool for people to look out for. I'm doing one on each of the four cities I lived in in 2020, a Shreveport one, an Oxford one, a Baton Rouge one, and a New York one. And I'm going to tell old stories. I'm going to put a ton into it. Um, I'm really going to let, let it all out there. Please, uh Check that out and support it. But it's just so funny to me. I had 3,200 Twitter followers when I got fired by, hired by Barstool. And uh, it's just crazy how big their reach is. But I want to thank also just the support I've been getting from Ole Miss fans. It's been unbelievable. Uh, I, I said this on Neil's podcast, too. I wasn't worried, but it's just I have such strong Louisiana ties with ESPN, Baton Rouge, and Shreveport. My name wasn't as out uh, in the Ole Miss Mississippi side as it was in Louisiana before. But, man, uh, the Ole Miss fans have really supported this thing. I think Brandon Walker makes it easy uh, to, to, to go against. But uh, it's just been unbelievable, the support I've gotten from Oxford and Ole Miss across the board. And I really appreciate you all having me, uh, having me on here. And I, I can't say enough how much I enjoyed that Ole Miss Twitter tournament. I mean, it really gave me a thrill. And people were talking about it all over the Barstool office, too. Big Cat, you know, sent me a text after it, just like, how surreal is this? You beat Eli Manning in a popularity contest, you know? <laughs> It's, uh, it's, it's wild. That's awesome. And uh, I, I'm, I'm just enjoying it, and I'm going to continue to do everything I can to work with the university and build the Oxford Ole Miss. Uh, you know, Barstool kind of in their brand, you know, they push the edge. I don't say F-bombs or GD or any of that stuff on there because uh, I realize I want to represent Ole Miss fans in the university well, and I think people understand that. Yeah, I, Ben, I had a question. I was wondering how – do you think that the stark contrast between Brandon just being the – the outgoing, super, super, cut like curse word, flamboyant, super against Ole Miss, and then you coming in being the nicer, more relaxed, more focused guy. Do you think that that's actually helped you in reaching the Southern Barstool and Ole Miss fans? Just you being such a stark contrast and personality to Brandon. I was wondering how much do you think that's helped? and you reaching people and you getting engaging with followers and stuff like that. Like I said, I think he makes it easy, <laughs> you know, because yeah, he's just yeah, so absolutely. negative that he just – it's like layups all the time uh, just for how bitter he is toward Ole Miss. And I can't even begin to tell you. I went to the Auburn game and got to meet Lane Kiffin and did a bunch of stuff. And, man, I must have gotten stopped 80 times in Oxford before I got to Barstool. And they're like, look, you know, we know you're a nice guy, but you better give him as much hell as possible. And so – you know, I go hard at him. I, know, I don't know if y'all saw those eggs I chunked at him. I almost hit him in the head with one. 
Look, I know people know I'm a little bit, you know, nicer than he is, but, man, I go as hard as I can at Brandon Walker. Uh, he makes it too easy. He deserves it. And the way he attacked our fan base for a year and a half without anyone to defend us, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to allow that. And I look forward to, to giving him hell for many, many more years. And the egg bet, I went double or nothing uh, at the end of that video, too, saying, you know, I, I love where our program's headed. And, you know, I'm not going to back away from any challenge from any Mississippi State fans for uh, a long time. Well, you're a lot more graceful and a lot more, I guess I'll say, uh, uh, not as aggressive towards Mississippi State fans and the Mississippi State program as he is towards us. So I think that, that helps, too. That kind of represents us well as, you know, they're the ones that come after us and, you know, throw allegations against us and ask the NCAA to snitch on us and all this stuff. And we're the kind of the ones that – hold our heads a little higher and say, you know, you guys can do all that stuff, but the in the day we're focused on progressing above to a national level and not and not sitting there and worried about a bitter in-conference rivalry. So thank you for not just totally going after Mississippi State and saying disparaging things about them because I think we're focused as Ole Miss on a more progressive national level, and I think they're just stuck in the, in the Mississippi world of – Mississippi State and Ole Miss and that rivalry. So I would say thank you for that. Oh, I appreciate it. I think they just – you just got to let themselves hang themselves. I mean, they just do – they it just – the way they act, you don't really have to say anything cause they just look so stupid with all their negativity all the time. I mean, you just you, – you just you, they can just talk and they'll, they'll ruin everything for them. I kind of had a funny thing. I started thinking about going at them with like a Mississippi hate hashtag – because of how negative and hateful they are. That's true. Uh, I don't know what y'all think of that. I hadn't really done it yet, but I thought about starting one with that, with all the negativity. But I feel like that feeds into what they're doing, so I shouldn't even yeah, give them that. Yeah, I've never thought of that. It's a great hashtag. It tells you, yeah, it, te- it tells you exactly where the rivalry's at. And overall, Ben, we just want to thank you very much for coming on. Uh, obviously, we're kind of a startup new podcast, so really appreciate you taking the time out and joining us. Uh, we'll go ahead and send you some a uh, little swag pack of uh, some stickers. We'll yeah, man, I'll, rock. I'll throw it up there. I'll throw it up there at the office. I've got my Lane Kiffin bobblehead, my Cam Jordan bobblehead together. I'll throw it down there uh, by there for sure. And like I said, I appreciate y'all having me on. I enjoyed that uh, Twitter tournament so much. And I mean, I can't say, as I said, I'll reiterate it. The support I've gotten from all of Ole Miss fans in Oxford uh, has truly touched me. And I'm going to continue to do everything in my power to be a positive representation of Ole Miss and Oxford in, uh, in a national way. Awesome. Yeah, so we'll get that sent up to you. Um, overall, again, thank you very much for taking the time out. Hopefully, at the same time, we can have you back again sometime soon. Uh, maybe make you a recurring guest. Yeah, absolutely. And I look forward to uh, when poker comes back. I'm going to be the Ole Miss guy on the World Series of Poker and stuff to support. And so I think that, that'll be a lot of fun, uh, too. I got 75th in the World Series main. And 11, and I've done well in all kinds of South stuff. And just because I work for Barstool doesn't mean I'm not about to whoop all these fools' asses <laughs> at the poker table when it comes back. That's awesome. For everybody, obviously, you can follow him at, at Barstool Mincy. That's M I N T Z Y. Uh, as always, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at TheBaitShack underscore. Check us out at www.TheBaitShackOxford.com. And for episode 17, that wraps it up. We hope everybody has a happy new year, and we look forward to talking to you in the new year.